Felipe Love works. Um, up until this point, we have talked about uh, how love is patient and how love is kind. And yet we look at this, this memory verse, this verse that we are going through, we see that love is a whole lot more than that. It's patient, is kind, it does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude in the system's way, it's not irritable or resentful. Is it tune in your head while I'm reading this? Okay. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, or never ends. A better translation is never fails. Here's the thing. Love is a powerful thing that God has for us. And we describe the course in this passage. We talked the first two weeks, the very beginning. Love is patient, is kind. Love is patient is, is basically a death of, of our own. It's a surrender of our mind to God's will. Right? But patience is this. When, when we give up our own expectations and choose relationship. Right? So we choose God's priorities and not the way that we think that things ought to be. That gives us the power of patience. It is a surrender of the mind. And kindness, then, is also a surrender of the heart. It is compassion and action. It's when we allow God to change us and to see another person where their need is, and their life doesn't actually do something about it. Patience and kindness, the, the mind and the heart, being surrendered to Christ. And then you'll see what happens in this passage is what's going to happen in your own life when you start to do that. Because there is the mind and the heart are, are part of you, but there's this thing in there called the flesh. It's, it's the part that's fallen. And when we, we start to surrender ourselves to God, the flesh says, no, it doesn't want to die. Right? And so it fights back. And what does it look like? Well, it's envy and boastful. It, it insists on its own way. It's irritable and resentful. It rejoices in wrongdoing. And so what does this look like? Well, you start to love somebody. And you say, you know, I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to choose a relationship with them. And I'm going to ask God to give me a heart of compassion for them. I'm going to do something. You start to pour into another person. And guess what? They don't change. Right? They are still nasty to you. Right? They're not fitting into your agenda for them to be a better person. Yes. Right? And so what happens is we get arrogant on this. Well, I can help them because they're less than me. Right? I will help that poor person. Or, I will love you because you really need love. And we become arrogant or boastful. Look at me. Look at all the good works that I do. And it starts to then become about me again, which death is, love is the death of me, right? So I can live for bigger things. It insists on its own way. I will love you so long as you do A, B, C, and D. And when you don't do that, then I get a little irritable and resentful, don't I? When you don't do your A, B, C, and D's, but you're doing like Q's and X's and 3's and asterisks or whatever. You're like totally off the program. I get irritable. I'm like, I have loved you. I have cared for you. And you're still being mean. And I resent you for that. It happens, doesn't it? It rejoices at wrongdoing. Like I'm, I want bad things to happen to that person. That is because they're doing bad things to me. Difficulty comes around and rejoice. And, or you know what? I'm going to just be upset with them. I'm going, to, I'm going to hold on to the lie that what I see, the shell of them, is who they really are, not who God says they are. See, when we begin to love, your flesh will rise up. And God warns us through this, through this passage. It says, you know what? When you begin to love, don't think you're a freak when this happens. It is your flesh rising up. You can put it to death. 
You can do it. So expect it. Now that we know what's going to happen, when we are patient and we're kind, we can recognize the flesh when it comes up and we can say, no, I'm choosing a better way. And one of the ways that we're going to do that, we have kindness being of the mind and and uh, you have patience, uh, patience being the mind and kindness of the heart. Today we have this incredible word that love bears all things. And that's what helps us put to death the flesh. In fact, it's, it's a victory in the spirit as well as the flesh. It's surrendering both. And it's a funny word. And if you look at this passage in a lot of different Bibles, translations, you're going to notice it's translated very different different translations, just in this one section. Sometimes it says, love covers all things. Sometimes it says, love hides all things. Sometimes it says, love bears all things. Sometimes it says, love protects all things. What's going on? Do the translators not know what this word means? No, they very much know, but it's a strange word. It's a word that's not used very often. In fact, in the New Testament, it's not used hardly at all. And there's a lot of other words that are used for covers and carries and bears and protects. Those are all very common words. And Paul, who writes this, used those words often. But he chose this word very specifically because it's a unique word. You know, it's like, you've seen uh, baby pictures of somebody, and they look really different than they look like as a baby, but if you look close enough at their similarities, you can see this really basically the same poor person. That's what it was like. It just moved. And stagger, it, it, it grew up. And it started out long before Paul wrote this, and it was used for this. It was like a roof. It covered things. If you wanted to be dry and it's raining outside, you would step inside and the roof staggered and covered you and everything that you have. And it's such a great word to describe that that it started to be used for this. It kept the wind and the weather out, so it also counted for the walls, right? And so then everything that was on the inside was protected. And so love covers, but it also protects. But then it also is the idea of like the ships and stuff. They would make them watertight. Right? Nothing from the outside could get in. And nothing from the inside would leak out. Right? It conceals, it holds together. And then after that, they used to say, you know, it's, it's a protection idea. They would build walls around cities back then because bad guys would go and, and try to kill you, so you'd have to build a wall. And if the wall was strong enough to withstand the enemy, it would keep them out, nothing from the outside coming in, then it would stagger. You were protected. It would bear the advance of the enemy. And then it kept from there, it was strong, and it was kind of strength, and then it was also the idea of lifting up and holding. You had a strong building, and you had something really heavy over it, it could bear the weight on that. And it was a word that kept all of those shades of meaning that was used right here. We see that the love of God, and you read any of those passages, the translators have a really difficult time, because it means all of those things. And they don't want to mix up and make the, the passage more wordy, Paul wrote that passage in a particular way to be very poignant and how brief and to the point it was. And so they add lots of extra words. So the translators try to get to the heart of what shade of this mostly we want to highlight. And different translators have highlighted different things. But the reality is this word means all. We see that God's love is a powerful, powerful love. It bears all things. It means this. It covers and carries. It covers and it carries us. We think about this, the first thing we see on there is if it covers, how does it cover? Well, various all things covers another's brokenness with mercy. It is a, it's a theme and a principle we see throughout Scripture, but it's something that we see in God. He covers our sin. He doesn't hide our sin. 
He covers it. And he does so with mercy. In fact, we read this in Ephesians 2. It says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved. You understand that God sees us in our brokenness and where we are, and he covers us. He's like, I got you covered. <clears throat> Which is a, a profound thought for us in, in Christ, because we oftentimes believe that there are areas of our life that fall outside of God's covering love. Don't we? I have certain sins that are kind of dark. And, and when, I, when I'm not doing those things, I know that I'm, I'm acting within God's realm of love for me. He accepts this portion of me. But these things over here, I don't know if God can accept that. Especially about me. And we think that somehow God's covering covers most of us, but not these things. And so when we fall into those things, what do we do? Well, we stop going to church, we stop praying, we stop reading the Bible, we stop, we move away from God, like his love somehow doesn't cover us. But to understand this, God's love is such that nothing on the inside is out. You are contained completely within his love. There's not an area of your life, there's not a portion of your past, there's nothing that you do, there's no wickedness that you have that his love does not fully cover. Isn't that good and this means that when I fall into that brokenness, that absolute depravity of my life, the things that I, I hate most, and those are the areas that I fall into in my weakness, God is still there. His love is still there just as much. He covers our brokenness. He, Paul, who wrote Ephesians, Hammers that home just a few verses later when he says it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. You get that. God doesn't love us because we deserve it. He doesn't love us up to a point. And then says, beyond that, that's just too ugly. I can't cover that. God's grace covers us completely. It is Him. It is his love is why we are loved. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works. Isn't that amazing? That God doesn't love us when we deserve it. In fact, love is most needed when it's not deserved, isn't it? And that's the way that his love is. He loves us so deeply. He doesn't look at you or me and say, when you get your life together, then I will love you. When you change enough, then my love will be there for you. He looks at us in our brokenness, in our sin, in our depravity, and he says, then, right there, that's where I love you. <coughs> There's another passage in Scripture that says that there is nothing that can separate us from this love of God. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what kind of powers there are in the heavens or hell. There is nothing that can separate from God's love. That's what it means. You are covered. You are absolutely covered. Well, that's not a kind of love then that we can contain. It contains us. Which means that when we experience this kind of love, Peter writes to the church, this is First Peter, and at the end of his letter, he's giving the church just final little bits of, of advice and help. And he says this, above all else. Is that important? 
He's already got a lot of things. He's four chapters of things that he says to the church. Above all else, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So the love that we receive from God, this covering love that says, I love you, not because you deserve it, but because, because I love you, period. That's not a love that's reserved just for God. That's a love that you and I get to experience and to show. We don't have to play judge to determine who is, a, who is good enough to receive our, our care. Isn't that nice? I mean, that, re- that removes that bureaucracy of the mind, doesn't it? As we sit up there and think, that person, and I, could, I could care for that person. No. You're outside the camp. You're outside the bounds. I don't know if I can... We don't have to do that. You see, we have the capacity, because we have received this kind of love, to express that kind of love. We get the privilege of expressing the love that comes. A love that looks at another person and says, you don't have to put on a mask because I don't care what's underneath it. You're cared for. You're covered. How amazing is this? But you know, this kind of love doesn't just conceal. And that's the thing. Is sometimes... People look at this this word covers and they say, God's hiding. Love covers up. It doesn't look at the nasty things. Is that the way Jesus is? Did he save us but not really deal with us? This is the kind of love that sees the brokenness of another person and is something that just makes no sense to this world. And that's this. It bears all things because it carries the weight of another person. It gets down and dirty and into the life of another person and doesn't reject them for their brokenness, but steps in to help. How amazing. It carries the weight. I mean, the picture is like somebody lifting something like, like super heavy, right? Holding it. There was this movie that came out um, many years ago when I was a little boy and I loved it. It was called Superman. And, uh, I love that movie. I got the cape and everything. It was awesome. I wear it today. I still have that cape. <laughs> so, in that movie, little baby Superman gets on a spacecraft and flies to Earth because his planet blows up. And he crashes into this field of something. It was a farmer's field, and I didn't grow on a farm. So it's something. He crashes there, and there's this sweet little farmer couple that's driving by, and they pop a tire. So they get out, and as they're changing the tire, they didn't notice the asteroid that just, you know, burned a hole in the hill. But then the wife turns around and is like, what? And he goes, what? So they go down, and you see little, little baby Superman. And they bring up little baby Superman up to the car, and then the dad is fixing the tire. And as he's fixing the tire, the, the, the truck slips off of, of the, uh, the jack. Thank you. I didn't say how many tires I changed. <laughs> and it's kind of crushing. And then little baby Superman is there like, right? It's a great, that's the picture of this. When sin crushes, when it comes down and it's too much for us to bear, love comes in and rescues and lifts. That's what it does. That's what Jesus did. He said, even when he was in his ministry, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How amazing is that? 
You ever felt crushed by your own failures, your own sin, your own darkness? Too much for you to bear? Your own wounds from the past? Too much? Yeah, this world will crush you. It will. It's ruthless. It's a war. It's set out to destroy you. In fact, we have an enemy of our soul who's out there to destroy you, to add even more weight. You're not alone. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. He didn't just come to cover our sins. He came to bear them and to lift them. And I will tell you, there is no one stronger than God. And he can lift them. Come to him, he says. You're weary and burdened. That's where we find rest. That's where there's a love there that can bear our sins and lift them. So we're no longer crushed. Can take away our pain and our wounds from the past. And he enters into those very things. And he doesn't cover them up. He actually lifts us up. That's the amazing one. And that's from a God who is so holy he doesn't need to get dirty. But he chooses to because he cares. The love of God that bears our sins. First Peter says this. He says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. He left an example that you should follow in his steps. I think it's an amazing thing that we have seen love in Christ. This love of God that he shows us, that bears all, that lifts things that we can't. And goes into the, to the dirtiest and the heaviest parts of another person's life and says, I will carry that with you. I will not drop you. You are covered, but you are also carried. We are called to follow in a sense. Peter goes on, he says, he himself bore our sins. Jesus didn't just, doesn't just say, leave your burdens here. He actually did. He went to the cross, and the weight of all the sins of all the world for all time was placed upon him. He paid for them. He dealt with them. They are gone. He bore our sins in his body on that cross. All of our failures. Isn't that amazing? He lifted them by himself. He didn't even need our help. And he did this so we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Isn't that a better way to live? says these quotes from the Old Testament. He says, By his wounds you have been healed. For you, like sheep, have gone astray, but now you have been returned to the shepherd who oversees you. We have a God who enters into our life, who enters into our brokenness and lifts us. He covers and he carries us deeply. What do we do about that? Well, this again is not a love that we can just contain. Love is a love that bears all. It, it covers, but it also carries. In Galatians 6 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that amazing? How do I get to love God? I get to actually love you. Not superficial, smile, handshake, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And then as soon as you start to have problems, I distance myself because I can't carry that kind of weight. I got my own problems. My problems are being bared by Christ. He's the one who's carrying me. And if you have issues as far as the body of Christ, I get to come alongside you. In fact, in context, it says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. That's the kind of bearing that we're supposed to do in Christ. Not to shun the sinner amongst us, but to recognize that if somebody falls weak, family of faith, even then get to step in beside them and say, gently, with the love of you, I'm going to help 
carried out of this. How amazing. And it warns us that we have to be careful when we do that, so we're not going to be tempted to. It reminds us that none of us are perfect. But it says when we do that, when we carry each other's burdens, we can fill in the law of God. We have been called to a love and have experienced a love that covers us. A love that carries us. And that's what we see in Scripture. What does it look like in real day-to-day? Well, there's a man in our church named James Breeden. And uh, he and his wife have a, uh, an incredible love. I had, and, uh, she passed away almost three years ago. Uh, this November. And their love for one another impacted me and my wife more than probably anybody that I've ever met. And so I asked James if he would just tell us a story of, of his and Patricia's love, a love that proves and lives this out. And so he did. We made we recorded it. Um, and so here you go. This is James. Patricia and I met in church. She was going to a Bible school in San Antonio, Texas. It was the uh, first Wednesday night of January 1971. She always said to tell her part of the story. So we had to put this in. She said she walked in the back door, looked up on the stage, and saw this young guy playing the accordion. Something welled up in her heart. And she said, Oh Lord, I love him. I want to marry that guy. <laughs> and uh, then she went out in and found a chair and she started worshiping the Lord. Uh, both of us had decided we were not going to have anything to do with boys or girls or whatever. And uh, I was sitting up there and I was playing the accordion and we were worshiping the Lord. I looked back and this different girl that I'd never met before was actually really involved worshiping the Lord. That really impressed me, even though I wasn't interested. <laughs> and uh, a couple of months later, we were engaged. June 71, which was, according to the school rules, uh, two weeks after school started, was out over. Two nights later, we were in the middle of the night, sleeping soundly. All of a sudden, I was startled awake by Patricia. She was uh, violently shaking all over her. She beat her body, her head. She was foaming at the mouth. Her eyes were rolled back in her head. I had no idea what was going on, so I tried to wake her up. I thought maybe it was a nightmare or something. She um, didn't respond to me. So I started praying, and I started hollering, Lord, I need you to stop this and help Patricia. It seemed like half an hour, but I'm sure it was ten minutes or so. Then she just kind of collapsed there on the bed and just didn't do anything for five minutes. After this was over, we got her up and got her cleaned up and changed the bed clothes and brought some towels to sop up the water and 
and went back to sleep. We didn't even talk about it the next day. We were busy getting ready to go on our trip to visit my folks and then to visit her folks and have church conventions at both places. Um, it wasn't too many weeks later. One day, Patricia walked up to me. You lovingly grabbed my hands and said, Honey, if you want to divorce me, it's okay. You didn't know about my seizures before we got married. That was deceitful. And I responded in love, but with no doubt about it, that um, divorce was not a word that we would use in our family, that it would never happen, that um, we had married for better or worse, for good or bad, health or whatever, until we died, and that was what we were going to do. We stayed newlyweds almost all of our married life. We had a few months where we were, I wasn't treating her correctly. We were, uh, I was spending too much time in the work of the work, and work at the language school. And we got to where, for a little while, we didn't even like each other. But we still were not going to get divorced. We, um, they had a convention there at the school, a spring retreat or something. And the preachers started telling us the same thing that we heard in this movie, Fireproof, that the Lord was supposed to be first in our life, and our mate was supposed to be second, and then everything else followed after that. And that we should uh, treat each other with respect and love and go out of our way to do nice things for each other, for our spouse. And we started doing that, and it wasn't but just a few days till things got better, and we were again newlyweds, like we stayed the rest of our married life. One of the things that was a bother. Uh, for a little while, she had a seizure during one of these uh, retreats in the school. And uh, it sounded like somebody had taken a watermelon and just thrown it down on the floor. And it just went plop. And uh, she didn't recover from that particular seizure like she usually did. So we carried her home and put her on the sofa. Half an hour later, she started bleeding from her nose and her right ear. So we took her to the emergency room and they put her in a bunch of tests and said that, well, she's got a concussion and she's got a fracture in her skull. So they put her in a room and a couple of days later the doctor came in and said, I don't think she's going to recover from this, but if she does, she'll be just a vegetable. You'll have to feed her and change her diaper and all this stuff for the rest of your life. I said, that's okay. I said, I love her. And it's part of our taking care of each other. Yeah, we'll do it just fine. And they kept kind of hinting that it would be better if she didn't survive. And I kept telling her, we're 
together for as long as it takes, whatever shape she's in. This coma lasted about two and a half weeks, and after about a week, they had required me to go back to work at the school. And one day, one of the teachers was up there praying with me, and he called on my uh, voice pager and said, James, it's important for you to get up to her Patricia's room right away. So all I could think of was when I got there, they'd have a sheet board over her head. When I walked into the room, she was sitting upside up in her bed, the big smile on her face, eating chocolate ice cream. She looked over and said, Hi, honey, I love you. And I said, That's a pretty good vegetable. And shortly afterwards, she asked, What am I doing in here? And we explained to her what had happened, and she says, Well, we're a pretty good vegetable. And uh, she had, uh, over the years, lots of seizures, lots of falls, lots of breaks. But uh, we never thought of divorce or anything else. At times, challenging, worrying about how well she was going to be. I got to where I would say, Lord, you're going to have to take care of her. I can't do it. I can't be with her while I'm at work, and you'll have to protect her. Sometimes I'd come home and she'd have a bruise or a break or something would be broken in the house. And sometimes we'd have to go to the emergency room. We uh, always loved each other, and we're sure that we would have been together. We planned on being together all of our lives. Patricia had three different kinds of cancer. Um, one of them took about six months of radiation to uh, recover from, and another one was uh, breast surgery. And then this last one was a, a severe type of uh, lung cancer. And that lasted uh, from March to when she went home the first of November 2012. What was so enjoyable all of our wedding married life was being asked if we were really wits, holding hands at night when we went to sleep, holding hands and her telling me, Honey, I love you. At all kinds of times, in church, at funerals. Walking down the street in the mall, she'd reach over and hold my hand and say, Honey, I love you. Sometimes she'd kiss me. And at the beginning, that was embarrassing, but I got to where I really enjoyed it. <laughs> that was the fun of life with Patricia. Picture of burial. It's a powerful picture. Changes us, doesn't it? You know, if you ask James about his, his marriage to his wife, he's not going to tell you about how broken she was. We have to specifically ask him to share that. What he'll tell you is the great marriage and relationship we have. Pretty Christian, right? They have it. It was dress alike, even. It was crazy. 
They have this connection, this joy in marriage that most people feel. James Fisher understood what it means. I love that they're talking. God invites us all to have I always turn. Well, to take a connection card out, I have some ideas. Because this is not a kind of love that you want to sell. On the back side of it, maybe the first thing is going to be on the far side of it. You're maybe starting a relationship with Jesus yourself. Maybe you lived your whole life up to this point thinking that you have to be good enough to somehow be acceptable to God. The great news of Jesus is he loves you. He covers you completely. When you're in heaven, he's not going to talk about how broken you are. Or how hard it was to bear your burdens. He's going to talk about what you love. How beautiful of a person he created in you. And how close of a relationship that you can have with him. That's what he's going to talk about. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is Mark up here that says, sorry, I'd like more information about this. This is not a sales pitch to go after you. It's an opportunity, invitation to a whole new life. And so... If you check that, give me some information, how to contact you, we'll talk about, answer your questions. What does it mean to live life in Christ? What is it like to experience that love? We'll come alongside you and help you every step of the way. And, and so, let me know. But maybe you are in Christ, and you've experienced this love, and you say, what do I do with it? Maybe this first thing is to memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You know, it's not just lyrics to a song. It's actually the Word of God. It is powerful to change us. Then you set this scripture deep into your spirit. Think about what it says. The Word of God is truly powerful. So maybe you say, oh, it's nice too and everything, but I'm going to spend some time with it. I'm going to set that into my spirit and my heart. I'm going to commit myself to that this week. Or maybe this, maybe you want to see another story. You want to see what does bearing all things look like. You know, there's a lot of stories in Scripture we can point to, but we're going to pick this one. It's the book of Hosea. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's a minor prophet. It's an incredible story of how God bears our weakness. He puts stuff with us, even when we're unfaithful. He does that through a very powerful, living parable of a prophet named Hosea and a very unfaithful wife named Lord. Now, you want to see the power and the beauty of bearing all kinds of things up. Read that book this week. How about this? Something to do. Maybe you get to choose mercy this week. Because mercy is a choice. It is. Maybe there's somebody, maybe a, a child, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a co-worker, who is very, very difficult for you right now. They are a thorn in your side. They are making your life very hard. Your invitation to express a love that bears all things is in this. Then you choose to show them mercy this week. And mercy is this. You're not going to repay evil with evil. You're not going to swing back when they swing at you. You're going to choose not to engage in a fight because you're not really fighting against them. They're still caught in a lie. An understanding of this world is all about them. Still a slave to sin. Or if they're a brother and sister in Christ, and they're at least your brother and sister in Christ, so why would you beat up your own family, part of the same body? You get to choose mercy. 
And so maybe this week you say, you know right now who that person is, and you say, God, you're not going to help me, but I'm going to choose not to fight back against them. I'm going to choose not to retaliate. I'm going to choose not to engage in, in the battle, at least against them. But I'm going to choose to express love and covers and fairness. That's what I'm going to choose to do. I'm going to choose mercy this week. Maybe this, maybe it's a prayer that you have to have. Maybe you have to start by offering forgiveness. Forgiveness is never, ever deserved. Is it? That's the whole purpose. Maybe that person, maybe it's this very person before you want to show true mercy for, you've got to forgive. Because that God forgave you, and now we have the freedom and, and the obligation, responsibility to forgive other people. And this person who comes against you, it's really hard to love somebody that you have a judgment against. So maybe you surrender that judgment so that you can choose the better thing. And you hand them to God and you say, God, I'm going to choose to forgive this. I'm going to choose to forgive this person. I'm going to choose to forgive this thing. And you know what? Forgiveness is a process, not, a, not an event. And so you choose it, and then you get mad at it again. You choose it again. Then you get mad at it again, and you feel frustrated. You choose it again, and you choose to forgive until God sets you both free. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe there's something else. Maybe the Holy Spirit's working in you in your heart right now, your spirit all the way through this message, and you know there's something that he wants from you. Let us know what that is so we can pray. And uh, that will be great. Maybe you have another commitment you need to make, or maybe it's just a prayer request. You have a burden, and you need to share it. That's one of the things that we get to do. We have a love here that bears all of you. And we'd love to come alongside you and carry your burdens as well to the cross. And so it's been amazing this last year to see how many awesome things God has done uh, simply because we've been allowed to join in prayer. Let us know. As you consider and you're working down what's going to be there, you're going to spend some time in prayer. I'm sorry, but we'll have some time for us all to pray. Um, to bring our burdens before God and to ask Him to carry us. And when that's done, we'll take our tithes and offerings. When that happens, I'd like you to take this connection card and drop it in the offering basket. And then we'll have some time just to worship God because it's fun and it's awesome. So we'll do that. But first, please, uh, let's, let's go to God. Father, we thank you that you are good, that you are powerful, yes, that you are righteous absolutely beyond anything we can comprehend, and yet you love us. You love us in our brokenness. You love us even in spite of our rebellion. You love us in spite of our wickedness. God, you love us as we are, that you loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We love you that so much that, that uh, Father, for, for loving us. We, what can we do other than to say thank you and to respond to you with, with that same kind of gratitude? You've carried us. You carry us still. And you've covered our sins. Not even one part of our lives is outside of your will or your love. But you're going to, to make us new. And you are certainly doing it. Father, what can we what can we say other than we love you? And Father, as a, as a congregation, as a, as a family of faith, we ask today that your love would be made new in us. 
Lord, for those here that may not have experienced your love in the past, I pray that you would drench them with it afresh. Help them to experience your compassion, your kindness, and your patience. Father, in their heart as well as their mind, show them the truth from your word that you truly do bear us up. That you bear all of our sins to cover us Father, for those of us here that have experienced that kind of love, give us the ability and the power of the Holy Spirit to express that love. As we see in the Word, this is your desire for us. Father, it is hard to love our enemies. And I know no one knows that better than you, but it's still true. So help us, Father. Give us compassion. Give us hearts that reflect your heart. Give us strength and opportunity. Father, help us to put our, our sinful nature and flesh to death so that we can live a new life. Now, Father, as we bring all of our concerns to you and our prayers, we thank you that we know that your love bears us in heart. That we can't bring to you a concern that's going to be too heavy for you to handle. And Lord, we thank you for that. And because of that promise, and because of the covering we have in Christ, we have the joy to bring these requests to you. So Lord, please hear our prayers.